Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I want to show people that, yeah, you... You can still, you know, have a full-time job and, and, you know, a fulfilling career and still compete at the highest level and, and still chase these big dreams and goals. And, you know, if, if I can do it, like, from a non-running background, you know, lacrosse player turned runner, you know, that everyone else has the same opportunity. Hey, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm really good. I'm really good. I'm looking forward to this one. I think there's loads we can explore and discuss. Yeah, man, I, ca- I came across you a little while ago in respect to some of the stuff that you'd done. And yeah, I was blown away and I just thought it'd be a great podcast to kind of reach out and, and chat to you. To anybody that doesn't know Mike, he's uh, he's got a lot of records under his name. He's Do you still hold the record for seven marathons and seven continents in seven days? Uh, I do for now. Yeah. There was another guy named David Kilgore that was trying to get the record this year, but I ended up, uh, my times held up. And so earlier this year, I lost the record for the fastest marathon ever run in Antarctica. I had run two hours, 54 minutes. And another guy ran two hours, 53 minutes as part of, uh, the Arctic ice marathon. But, um, yeah, but I still have the record for all seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. Nice. Well, before we t- kind of dive into all that, and I noticed like just this weekend just passed, like Boston's just been and you helped like D- Dylan run his first sub three, three hours. So how, how was that? Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. So I do guiding. So I've guided for a bunch of athletes with different challenges. I've guided uh, visually impaired athletes. I've guided uh, athletes that are adaptive athletes, like with single leg or double leg amputees. Uh, and then to the, this past Boston marathon guided for Achilles international. I guided for the first time with an autistic, uh, athlete. So I, I helped a guy named Dylan born run his first, uh, sub three hour marathon, which was absolutely amazing. Uh, and he ran a 16 minute PR. So yeah, that was that was absolutely incredible to get to help someone break three hours for the first time and to have an absolute dream race. It was actually pretty challenging conditions in Boston, a little bit of rain and some um, some cold. But once we started running, man, he locked in and uh, we were able to hold pace throughout the day. And he just he did absolutely crushed it, man. I was just 
I was just there to help facilitate and, and make sure that uh, he got to the finish line safely. But it was, it was an absolute honor to, to get a chance to, to work with him, to try to achieve a lifelong dream. And, you know, hopefully he's got more big things uh, coming up in the future. Yeah, yeah, that's that's amazing, man. Um, I, I saw the video on Instagram and it looked absolutely insane. So, yeah, yeah, congratulations to you both. Yeah, man, he was so happy, dude. Like with like three miles to go, he's like, he, oh my god, dude, it was like with like three or four. No, it was actually probably with like six miles to go. He's like, we're doing so good. I was like, I know, dude, we are. We're doing really good, dude. <laughs> And I was like, and then he was starting to like try to run too hard. I was like, we don't have to do anything special, man. All we got to do is just keep doing what we're doing. He's like, yeah, okay, okay. And then with two miles to go, I was like, all right, now now we can go crazy, dude. Whatever you want to do. So we actually passed so many people, man. It was unbelievable. He was crushing. Yeah, what was the atmosphere like? Uh, it's electric, man. Boston is like the race that got me into running and uh, I think that's maybe my 22nd or so time doing the race. And I've done it in all different capacities from like a first time, you know, runner, that's just, you know, a regular runner to elite runner, to a master's runner, to a guide. So I've had all kinds of different experiences at Boston and no matter where you're running in the Boston marathon, it's going to be one of the most unbelievable sporting events you can be a part of. And the volunteers are top notch. It's just one of those incredible events, um, that I hope everyone gets a chance to experience at some part as a spectator or a runner or a guide or a volunteer, a medical team. Like there's so many different ways you could be involved and, uh, the whole city comes to life. And it's funny because you think of it as, you know, happening over the weekend, but it actually is, it's, it's marathon Monday in Boston and it's a holiday and, it's called Patriots Day, and the only people in, that celebrate it in the entire world are basically in Boston. So basically it's just a, a holiday for the marathon. And so kids like are off school and come out and go to the same spot that their parents went to and their parents went to. And this year was the 127th running. So, yeah, it's one of the most unbelievable events uh, that I've been to around the world. And I hope I get to be a part of it for a long time to come. Okay, yeah, I had some friends that were running it as well this year, so like they were stoked for it. One of them's done it like a couple of times beforehand, and yeah, just it, all he talks about is the atmosphere. And hopefully, when he kind of comes across over to the UK, we potentially, hopefully, get to run together as well, which would be really nice. I guess like one of the things that want that got me to reach out to you and um, made me want to kind of have this conversation is it's not just the running but like the combination of the entire jigsaw that you have like from the you know the the work that you do on the day-to-day within shipping to kind of you're, you're a parent like myself and also you get to run these like crazy exploits all over the world i'm kind of <laughs> intrigued as to what first sparked like your passion for running is it, is it like a moment that evolved through the years because like to anybody that's listening it wasn't running straight off the bat, right? It was, you started off in lacrosse. Yeah. And- yeah. I mean, it's exactly that. I, I was a lacrosse player growing up. It's funny because I just picked up lacrosse again after a 27 year hiatus. So I hadn't played since, uh, 
college. So I still have my old stuff that looks like it's from like an archaeological archaeological dig. It's like uh, everybody on my my team that I'm playing with now is making fun of my equipment because it's a hundred years old and dry rotted. And <laughs> yeah, it, it's not up to code anymore. But um, but it, it that was that was my sport growing up, and I picked up lacrosse like pretty early in my life and, and really wanted to see what I could do with that and played all the way through university at Michigan state and stopped playing, um, to, so I could basically go on spring break my senior year. Cause I was sick of going to Baltimore and I wanted to go to Key West or Cancun and go to a phone party, you know? And so I, um, wanted to have one year in college that was, um, not, a, not a, you know, lacrosse year and, and not doing it, you know, division one type sports. And so, um, I, I stopped playing and, and when I stopped playing, I was still used to working out like three or four hours a day. So I picked up running and I fell in love with it right away and was lucky enough to be friends with a guy named Vince Boyson and went to, um, his house for Easter and his mom had just run the Boston marathon. And literally that's the day that changed my life was, uh, this trip to Vince's house and, seeing his mom, Vicky, uh, with her medal and her space blanket. And it's, it's unbelievably cool because I just earned, I don't know, like my, like I was saying my 22nd, you know, unicorn medal, but it's the moment that changed my life. And yeah, I didn't know that you had to actually qualify for the Boston marathon and that some people like that's their dream. Uh, I just was like, Oh, I'm going to run that marathon. And sent sent away for the sent away for the um packet and uh didn't realize you you know you had to qualify so signed up for the marine corps marathon in dc looked at the qualifying standards and was like well if i gotta run 310 then i'm gonna run 310 and trained to do that and uh ran 308 in my first marathon or 306 or 308 yeah under the time uh and then decided i was gonna try to break three hours so I know exactly how Dylan feels like going from a, you know, above three hour marathon or my first one to running, I think 254 in my second marathon, you know, you feel like you've crossed some threshold and, um, uh, really, you know, are embraced by the sport. And yeah, I never looked back from there. And that's, that's really what got me, got me into it. And then really gave me the feeling of what it's like to cross the finish line. And I just wanted to have that feeling as much as I could. Yeah. How old were you when you did your first about like 22 or something? I was exactly 22. Yeah. 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 So like, what was the mindset behind it? Cause I, to a lot of people that like first start running, I guess like it's cause I used to run when I was younger, I used to do like cross country, um, for yeah. a club in, in the UK. And for me, the hardest part about running was like the consistency of it. So if it was sunny days, happy days, but if it was like pouring downward <laughs> rain and like hail or snow and whatever, yeah, it used to, they, they were the slogs. So I remember my experiences with like running at a reasonable level back in the day, the mindset and the motivation, like I know that you said that, Vic, that um, Vince's mum paid quite a important part in that decision point, but like how, what was your process in respect to going about the, the consistency, the diligence and the motivation that you need in order to kind of get past that first that big barrier? Uh, I, I think I've always been really motivated. So like when I set a goal or I write something down, like I, I, I just do whatever you need to do to get there. So when I met Vince's mom, she was nice enough to like make a little training book for me. Basically, she just copied some pages from a book called like my first 
marathon or something. And I, it's funny cause I still have it like in a, like in a drawer somewhere here in, in my office, but it, it was basically like a, a 16 week training schedule. So like four months and it was, you know, on Monday run six miles on Tuesday, run eight miles, take off Wednesday, run Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and literally whatever it said to do, I would do it. But that wasn't, that wasn't hard. I'd say one of the hardest parts was not doing too much too fast and getting, getting injured. So like I was very uh, motivated and I, I was lucky that my body was able to handle the volume. Um, but I worked up really slowly. Like by the time I met Vince's mom, I'd been running consistently every day for over a year and it was probably three to five miles. So not anything big, but it was, it was consistent and it was, it became easier and easier. I think that's one of the great things about running is if you're willing to do the work, even if you don't really know what you're doing, like you get better and then, as you get better, you're able to do more. What I think a lot of people, because I'm a coach now, and what I see is people go faster than everyone wants to do stuff really fast. And the faster you do stuff, the more chance that you have to, you know, have a problem. And so like, if you're just consistently running base mileage, you're going to get better. And then to really take it to the next level, that's when you have to, you know, incorporate the hill work and the speed work and the tempo runs and, um, you know, get a little bit more, I'd say professional about the way that you do things. But most of the time, like you can get pretty far with just running. Do you pay like too, too much attention to like time? Because I know that a lot of ultra runners that they're focused very much on say a schedule that they have for the particular year. And, but then you're, you're a bit different in respect to that. Like you, you, you generally run quite a lot. I've heard in other podcasts about 40 or 50 times a year racing Are you yeah. focused on racing. Yeah. So are you focused too much on, on the times that you're going to do, or is it just more so like, just the achievement of the completion that you're interested in? Oh, I think it's a little of both. Like there's definitely races where I'm, you know, trying to be on the podium or trying to win the race for sure. And then uh, there's other races where I still want that outcome, but I'm not going to, you know, not run for a couple days to try to get it for a 10 K. Like it's just not the way that I train. So I, yeah, I don't really taper for a lot of things. Um, so I'll just, train through. And then a lot of times like the shorter stuff will be able to train me up to do the longer stuff. And then the longer stuff builds endurance for the shorter stuff. So I think it's, it's really nice if you can have a couple like big events that you're really trying to focus on. But, uh, I also really appreciate getting out there and being a part of the community. And so, you know, that means like, you know, I'll go to the park runs on Saturday and, and hammer, just because I like to be there. Like, I mean, it may, and maybe that'll take the place of like a a track session or something, but yeah, I'm not going to taper for it. Um, and I feel like the more that you race, the more stuff you learn about yourself and the harder you can push yourself when you really want to be able to, you know, go to that place. And, and I, I just like it, man. It keeps it interesting and exciting for me. And it's one of those things where, if you don't like what you're doing, it makes it really hard to do it. Like you're saying, like when it's sleeting or snowing or windy or cold, or even when it gets to be, you know, it's, it's going to be 90 some degrees here. So like, what is that? Like in the twenties for you guys, 25 or something like, 
yeah, when it gets like that and like 90% humidity, like it's not as fun to run, but you know, if you want to achieve big things, you got to be out there. And when you're racing, you're not going to have, you know, 10 degree day, like it's going to be, um, whatever it is and you got to be ready for it. Yeah. And I guess like you talk about achieve big things, looking at the, like run us through some of these crazy, like achievements that you've done over the course of your running career and maybe some of the, like the highlights that you've got. Yeah, sure, man. Um, I'm actually working on a book, so I have a, <laughs> I have a list actually. <laughs> so I've, uh, I guess one of the biggest things is in 2022, I ran, um, across the entire United States. So that was starting in San Francisco on May 1st. So it's coming up on a couple weeks from, uh, the anniversary of starting the transcon, um, and I ran 3,223 miles in 61 days, averaging 52 miles a day. Um, my shortest day was 49.8 like, miles because I miscalculated Ks to miles. Uh, and then my longest day was 104 miles. Most of the time it was running 12 hours a day. And it, again, took 61 days. So that was, for me, the biggest thing I'd ever done. And it was cool because... It was kind of a combination of everything I've learned over the years. Um, but some of the other things that, that I've done, I ran in three Olympic trials for the men's marathon uh, with a personal best in the marathon of 217.49. I've set world records as Elvis, Spider-Man, pushing my kids in a jog stroller, 200-meter track inside uh, on a treadmill, 50K on a treadmill. I've done races like the Hard Rock 100 Miler, for finishing that four times. I've been on the podium at Marathon de Saab, done the Comrades Ultra Marathon four times, uh, being 11th, not 10th, so not a gold medal, but the first guy to be out of the gold but under the six-hour mark, earning a Wally Hayward medal. I've set the world record for seven marathons, seven days on seven continents, averaging two hours, 45 minutes. During that run, I set the fastest time in Antarctica, which we talked about, just got broken this year by about a minute. Uh, so I ran the first sub three-hour marathon ever in Antarctica. Are you wanting to go back to Antarctica to try and get that that, that record back? I think I might. I, it would be awesome to do for sure. You know, I did did it as part of you know seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. The guy that broke it just went down to run the one marathon there, so. You know, I think if, if you're just going for one, you can probably go a little bit faster. But really, dude, it's all about just getting lucky with the weather. Like you could go and be super fit and get, you know, 50 mile an hour winds and you're not breaking any records that day. So it's it's really just luck of the draw. I've uh, won the Bigs Backyard Ultra during the quarantine, which a lot of people may have followed online. That was pretty cool. It was you and a Czech guy, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, at the end. But at the beginning, it was like over 2,000 people all around the world. So that was one of the first yeah, yeah, yeah. big events that happened during quarantine. I've run races like the Badwater Ultra Marathon, finishing third overall. So I've done a lot of the big races, you know, Western States, UTMB, Diagonal Dafu, won races on, you know, every continent in the world. And yeah, I'm still looking forward to doing a bunch more stuff like yeah, so I, I, it's been an amazing career so far, but there's still a lot left to do. And I guess, like, how old are you, like, 47? Or? No, I just turned 49 last week. Oh, 49. Yeah. Uh, 
it's interesting because like you know one one thing that comes to mind when i'm listening to all these like amazing achievements that you're talking about is like how do you go about balancing like a career family life and elite level running and how do you manage to kind of strike that balance between all the aspects of your life and what role that kind of plays in in the ultimate success that you have today yeah, I think a, a lot of it is like I really want to do it. Like I always say this when I when I get asked this question, but I think you really need to want to do it, and then you got to figure out how you make it happen and still honor your obligations. And so, for me, that means waking up early. Um, so I'm usually up by four forty-five every day, um, and so I'll usually go to my first workout starting around five thirty. Come back, help get the kids ready. It's nicer now as far as like. Our kids are 16 and 14, so they're more self-sufficient than when they were little. But when they were little, I just made them a part of the workout. So I would push a double jog stroller with both the kids and, you know, bring a bunch of snacks and run six-minute miles, you know? Like, that's just part of what we did. And uh, when they were super little, I would put them in their car seat by the treadmill and just run with them in the treadmill or, like, put them on my on my stomach on one of those like baby Bjorn type things, uh, while I rode like the exercise bike. So I, I think about finding ways to like, you know, meet your obligations and still, you know, keep up the fitness at the level you want to be at. I, I started run commuting or jogging to, to and from work and then also bike commuting. So that was when I, when I was going to the office, that was part of my training was just, you know, because I was like, Hey, if, if I'm going to drive the car 45 minutes, I could just run there in 50 minutes. Why don't I just do that? So like finding ways to be efficient with your time, I think that's always the biggest thing. And then asking your partner for help, like, you know, just saying like, Hey, this is really important to me. This is what I want to do. And the same with asking the people that you work with, like all the people I work with know that I'm a pro runner and, so if, if I don't get back to them uh, right away, they'll just call me on my cell and I'll be in the middle of a run. Like when I was running across the country, I was still like working as a, you know, an international ship broker. So if people had questions, they would just call me and cars would be whizzing by and I'd be like, oh yeah, we can help with that or we can't help with that. And then being really uh, diligent with your time also, I think like there's only so much time and you don't get it back. So, you know, finding out what's important to you and then focusing on it and doing as much as you can in the minimal amount. So like, you don't have to run 200 miles a week. Like that's just not possible for me in my life. But if you run 70 miles a week and those are good miles, that's better than 200 miles and not being able to do what you need to do with your family and your, and your work obligations. Yeah. And you mentioned like work and family. So like how, from a balanced perspective, like what are their perceptions insights support like what what are their views in respect to these kind of long achievements list of achievements that you've listed but also the time that it takes to complete some of these absolute behemoths uh i think what's awesome is they're a big part of it so like um you know our kids have grown up with this this is just like they don't think it's anything special i think it's probably like any athletes kids like they don't you know, I'm sure like the footballer players uh, over in the UK, like their kids are just like, Oh, my dad's a jerk. Like, I don't care that he, <laughs> he does these things, you know? Um, so 
I feel like it's the same with the running. Like that being said, it was awesome. Our 16 year old last night when we got home from the Boston marathon went out for a run. So I think he was kind of inspired by what he saw during the race and, and just the, the vibe of the whole weekend. So, and he runs track and does pole vault. And so that's awesome. And, uh, it's cool to kind of see your kids get a little taste of, you know, what's possible. And I hope that I can show them and others that, you know, that if you do make these things a priority, you can still, you know, do the working and have the family and still achieve big things. Cause I think so many people think it's one or the other, and I don't think it has to be if you really, you know, make, make an effort to be able to do it. Is that one of the big motivating factors to kind of inspire others to show them what's possible? And I guess like also, you know, in, in your running career, how has, how has your motivation evolved over the test of time? Yeah. I mean, I think I definitely want to show people like if this guy can do it, you know, he's got a wife and kids. And I think a lot of people, I don't know if it's the same with you, but I remember when I was single and I was thinking about getting married, all my friends were saying, Oh, your running's going to go downhill. As soon as you get married, you know, you're not going to have any time to train. And I just got better. And then when we had kids, uh, the same thing, like, oh, you're never going to have any time for yourself. You're you're going to have all these other obligations and you just get really determined. Like that's basically what it comes down to. Like you make your mind up, you want to do it and you still want to do these other things. Like, yeah, I go for a two hour, you know, hammer fest and then, you know, take the kids to the park. Like that's just, you know, the way that it works. And, you know, I don't have the luxury of uh, taking a, a a nap in the afternoon, like some of the elite guys before their next training session. But I think that's okay. Like I, you, you don't have to do everything everyone else does. You just do it the best you possibly can. And I want to show people that, yeah, you, you can still, you know, have a full-time job and, and, you know, a fulfilling career and still compete at the highest level and, and still chase these big dreams and goals. And, you know, if, if I can do it, like from a non-running background, you know, lacrosse player turned runner, you know, that everyone else has the same opportunity. Yeah. Like when I first started, I didn't even know what like a 400 on the track was. I just was like, just tell me how many times to run around. Like literally I had no <laughs> idea. Um, but you learn. Right. And, and I think that's the other thing I'm real willing to w- learn and I'm willing to make mistakes. And I'm not saying like every race has gone the way I wanted. And, you know, I've definitely come up short, you know, the best people in the world, like, you know, the guy yesterday, Elliot, like he didn't have the best day and, Uh, he didn't say like, you know, he didn't make up excuses. Like it just happens. And, um, that's just part of the process. And if you're not riding kind of the edge and and looking for, looking for failure, then you're probably not pushing yourself as hard as you can. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just nine 99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic, ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget. Check out quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part, they're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, and what's your view of failure in respect to kind of the the longer the longer path, the longer journey? Well, I think like failure is part of the process, man. Like, and it's the same with injury. Like, uh, I haven't been injured a lot. I've been lucky, but you know, sometimes I have been injured, and a lot of people look at that as the end of the road, and I just look at that as like I stepped too far, and uh, now I get a different way to, <laughs> to to figure out how to train. So. In 2012, I had like five hernias and five stress fractures in my pelvis, thought I might be, you know, at the end of my career and uh, was able to come back from that in four months and get back to running like 40 or 50 times a year and and competing at the highest level. And so a lot of times like uh, an injury or a setback is just that it's just a a bump in the road. And I'm in it for the long game. Like I want to be doing this like with those little old guys that you see on the track at 90 years old that are you know, trying to bust like a, you know, a 30 minute 5k and, and try to set the world record. Like that's, that's, I want to be out there and still doing this as long as possible. So if you look at it in a longer time, time frame and, and don't rush the process and enjoy the journey, like it's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading about um like centenarians and there's a guy in america that like still runs marathons and stuff that's like yeah. um over 100 and it's it's that thing isn't it it's just the the ability to realize that you're kind of in this for the long path the long haul and it's the bumps in the road the bumps in the road but ultimately if if you're aiming for something that is you know so far reaching and it, it's it's a continued process then you learn along the way i guess you know i wanted to pick apart the running across America, because like, how do you get ready for um, such a behemoth task? How do you approach that goal? Uh, well, it was a long process. Like I thought about it in maybe when the Forrest Gump movie came out in like the late nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, but I didn't think it was possible for me. And then as I became a better and better athlete and, um, had some, you know, longer experiences like marathon to sob in 2019, I set the record running across Israel in 10 days. I averaged a hundred kilometers plus a day for 10 days and broke the record by like four, three or four days. And I kind of like, I was like, Oh, I, I have a good feel that I can, I, I'm good at this. Like I, I know that I can do this. Then it became more of a like, how do I do this? Right. Because like I did say, like, I do have all these obligations and I'm a owner of a international ship brokerage and, and then we have a family and like, so how do I extricate from myself from my life? Because most people that do a run across the country, they, they go, you know, full plan a, like there's no like 
plan B, like I want to come back to my life exactly as it is. And I, <laughs> I wanted to come back to my life exactly as it is. I just wanted to take myself out of it for a little bit. And so I asked my partner, who's one of the uh, the owners in the company, I said, like, I really want to do this, Keith, you know, how, how can we make this happen? And Luckily, he was he was on board, and then uh, I had to you know go to my clients, which was you know one of the biggest decisions that I've ever made in my life is to say, you know, to somebody that you work for, like, hey, I want to I want to go chase this dream, like, and luckily they were a huge huge fans and and became sponsors of the event, so that turned out way better than I expected, like, and I think so many times we're limited by what we fear and. Uh, we don't just kind of embrace that, you know, people can find this as exciting as we do. And so that's what I thought was awesome was everybody really kind of rallied around it. And then there's also like the kind of nuts and bolts of it. Like, okay, if I'm not there in the office, you know, being able to do this, how do I get it done? And so I was lucky enough to have a friend that I uh, was able to hire who was in our business who needed, um, who needed employment. And so I was able to hire my buddy that was able to be trained for a year and a half. So like, this was like a, you know, a two and a half year project that looks like, Oh, it's only 61 days. But then there was all these things ahead of time to make sure. And it's just like anything you, you figure out what you want to do and then you make a list and figure out the steps you're going to need to achieve it. And then you deal with all the stuff that comes up because like anything, it's just like any race anyone's ever done, like in your head, it's going to go one way. And then of course it never goes like that. Even the marathon yesterday when I was pacing Dylan, of course I had to go to the bathroom like two minutes in and at mile 16, I was like, I can't hold it anymore. But I found a girl that like was running the same pace we were running. And I was like, could you please watch Dylan for a second um, while I go to the bathroom? And she was like, uh, I was like, okay, great. I'll be back. And then she was awesome and like <laughs> kept him under her wing for like three minutes while I went to the porta potty. And then I tempoed back up and got him. But like before the race, I was like, oh, that never happens to me. I never have to stop in the middle of a race. But of course, like, you know, if stuff happens and, uh, and the run across the country, I had someone lined up for transportation and, um, about six days before, like they canceled on me. And so I had to book an RV and come up with, you know, a bunch of money to help pay for it. And, you know, that's just part of the deal, man. It's like, you can't let little things get in your way and, uh, it's all going to work out, but it might not just be the way that you think it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, it's best just to like crack on and and actually, you know, learn as you do, and rather than kind of wait for the perfect scenario. Because like I think if we kind of strive for perfection, perfection never comes. Um, and there's so much more that we can gain and learn from just the experience and kind of being willing to embrace the journey and all its like you know various different connotations for the positive and the negative. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing too is like, I think you put it well. It's it's like moving forward is like half the battle. Like so many of us and, and myself included, like I was paralyzed by fear of like cars, like going to run me off the road for the run across the country. But then eventually I got to the point and I was lucky because I got injured. It was one of those things. Like I did a, that quarantine backyard ultra. I was the fittest I've ever been. I got invited to go to uh, the Spartan games in 2020 uh, during the pandemic in a bubble kind of atmosphere. And I, I just, I was started CrossFit and I was 
like enjoying it. And uh, during the Spartan games, we had to do some heavy lifting, like much heavier than I'd ever lifted. And I ended up uh, herniating some discs in my back. And I thought like, oh man, this could be the end of my career too. And I, and I never did that run across the country because I was so scared of traffic. And I said, like, if I ever get healthy, I'm going to make it happen. And so that's basically what I did. And it took, you know, from October of 2022, uh, about a year to get healthy, uh, and then set everything up and then another year to get everything sorted. And, but it, there were so many things that came up during the run across the country that came up before that, that, yeah, there was, there was no good time, but you just have to make it the right time. And I think that that's what it comes down to is like, uh, I overcame my fear of traffic because I wanted to do the run more than I wanted to be afraid of traffic. And so like, it's like that with like many things in life. Like, you know, if it's, you know, asking that person that you're interested out on a date or, uh, setting a big goal and telling everyone you want to do something. Um, yeah, the worst that can happen is it doesn't work out, but for the most part, good things happen when you keep moving forward. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's like one of the lessons, but from all like the adventures that you've done so far, how have they kind of shaped not only your running, but also life in general? Oh, I think there's a lot of things that I can take from all the the things I've done. I think some of the big ones are not being afraid to ask for help. I remember like when I did my first marathon, I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to ask anyone at the aid station to give me water because I thought it was like an inconvenience. And then having been in the sport for so long now, I know that the people at the aid stations are so excited. Like they just want something to do because they've been standing there all day. So like uh, being really clear with like what you want is super helpful rather than just coming in and being like, I don't know, you tell me. Like uh, if you come in and you're like, I need two waters, I want three goos. And uh, if you have any lube, that would be great. And so like, then they know what they need to do and how to do it. Um, so I think like, you know, not being afraid to ask for what you need was one of the big things and not being afraid to ask for help. Like, I think when I first started too, I was like, I, I, me, me. And like, uh, I think one of the big things was I learned that although you're the person out there, like there's a team behind you. Like I have sponsors, I have my family, I have the people I work with, like all those people are, are helping you get to where you need to go. And so, yeah, it, it seems like running is an individual sport, but there's so much more behind it and you can't even do it without everyone there. So that's one of the big things. Uh, I think being resilient, being super consistent, like consistency is much better than smashing one workout and not being able to run for three days. Like uh, I'd rather the people I train do you know, five, six mile runs, then one 80 mile run and not run for two weeks. So, you know, little things equal big things. Like you keep doing the little things, right. The big things will take care of themselves. Uh, and I think that's like so many things like people, some people get rich investing by like, you know, chasing the newest Bitcoin or tulip bulb thing. But uh, most of the people that get rich do it super boringly, super consistently. They put in $50 a month or 20 pounds every two weeks or something like that's how you build wealth. And I think that's how you also have success in a lot of these things. And one of the things that, that I'm intrigued to ask as well, cause you, you're plant-based, right? So have yeah. you always been plant-based and also how, how does that kind of, how does that feed into your performance recovery and general nutrition? 
Yeah, no, I wasn't always plant-based. I mean, I was a lacrosse player. It was like, you know, you had to eat meat to be strong when I was growing up in like the nineties. Like that was what people told you. And in high school, I, we actually had two people from the UK come over, um, vegetarians and my mom was freaking out. She didn't know what to feed them. And I realized that they just eat like normal food. Like they had pizza, you know, with cheese, uh, just didn't have pepperoni on it. And I was like, wow, that's not that different. Uh, so in high school, I, uh, experimented with giving up red meat and, uh, felt better. Uh, and then in college I stopped eating chicken and fish and I just kind of experimented with my body to see how it would feel. And, uh, I went all the way to vegan and then went to, uh, just eggs and honey. And, uh, right now I'm basically vegan. I, after the run across the country, I stopped eating eggs and, uh, I just eat honey as the only animal product at the moment. So. I think Rich said that's not vegan. And I feel like, you know, vegans vary. Most of the time, if I'm going into a restaurant, I just say vegan because it's easier. But I do eat honey and, and I'm like a beekeeper and that's fine. Like I, I feel like, you know, people have to experiment and see uh, what works for them. But for me, it's been great for recovery. It's been great for energy. I feel like it's definitely can be challenging when you're traveling uh, if you don't have access to like a grocery store or something like that. But what's awesome is just to see the evolution of, you know, like you're actually talking about plant-based <laughs> meals right now. And yesterday when we were coming back from the Boston Marathon, you know, I was able to get like a Beyond Burger and fries at at the airport, which was like never going to happen like 10 years ago. Um, and so it, it's been cool to see the evolution of people getting more and more um, plant-based and just learning that like maybe you don't have to eat all your meals that way, but uh, maybe a couple meals that way or even then it's an option. And so um, that's been cool to see. And, and for me as an athlete, it's been awesome just to have more people experiment with it and check it out. And again, it's not for everybody. And some people, you know, thrive in, in other ways. And you know, I think whatever works for you is great, but for me, it works great. Yeah. It's one of my, it's one of my, one of my secrets, I guess. I guess like you, you're known for pushing the boundaries and you're known for like the plethora of amazing achievements that you've done up until this point. But I guess like, what are the future aspirations? What's on, what's, what adventures do you have on your bucket list that you want to cross off? Oh man. Uh, I've got a lot. Um, so, uh, the two big ones that are kind of top of mind at the moment is running the Appalachian trail. That's actually something I wanted to do before running the, uh, transcon. But when I had the chance to do the transcon, I took it because, um, the Appalachian trail is literally like in my backyard and I grew up training and running in the mountains here. And I want that to be a super special experience. And, I wasn't sure um, if I'd ever have the chance to do the run across the country again, especially I wanted to have that experience with my dad. And so uh, he's older and he had the opportunity to do the transcon uh, this past year. And so I, I chose that. Um, but also, yeah, the Appalachian Trail is, is oh man, it's so exciting. And, and that's something that I can't wait to tackle. So that's kind of one of the next big projects. And then I've gotten into uh, ocean rowing. I feel like that's just a really amazing challenge. Like, I think that that's going to be super unique. I don't really have a lot of rowing experience. I've just picked up rowing this year and went from rowing a half marathon to 
oh no, actually rowing a 10 K to a half marathon, to a marathon, to a 50 K. So, you know, I, I don't even know how to row. Like I know how to row, but I, I don't know how to do any of the stuff. So like, that's exciting to me is like learning new skills, challenging myself in a different way. So I've been like getting super into the weeds, like reading books and watching videos and talking to people that have rowed across the Atlantic. So that's, that's a next big project too. And then I'm doing some strength stuff. And then I found a sport called pickleball that I've been getting super into. So yeah, it's getting massive, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's super big here. I don't know how big it is yet in the UK, but it's, um, it's, it's a really fun sport. And, and so I've been getting super into that and playing a lot and getting better and learning, you know, how to hit different shots and how to play defense and, you know, different, different aspects of that game. So uh, I want to, I'm, the goal is to try to get on to the pro level in pickleball. So that's been uh, another way that I've been spending my time on top of the running and the cycling and the rowing and the bocce ball and the chess and the beekeeping and the family time and dog running and coaching and all the other little things that I do. I guess like one of the things that clearly resonates from what you have to say is like like the mental resilience because like if you're taking on so many different challenges and so many different obstacles that, that are ahead, a lot of people can kind of, I guess, especially in runners, is when you're running, there is that like experience of like a mental barrier sometimes when you're running like long distances and also more challenging races that are ahead. So kind of you're coaching at the moment. So maybe what what advice would you give to the people that you coach and also the people that are listening to here in respect to overcoming mental ob- obstacles and um, breaking through that barrier themselves? Oh, it's funny because I, w- I, <laughs> I was coaching – or a guy that just ran the Boston Marathon, and our lead-up was not awesome. Like he, it's my buddy Charlie. Charlie, sorry, I'm just gonna uh, tell everyone that you didn't have the, you know, the best lead-up. But uh, he came to our, my hotel room like before the race. He said, "What's our plan?" And I was like, "I don't know, man. Like we didn't have the best lead-up. I think that you know what to expect. Um, you know it's going to get hard at some point, and you know what your goal is. And so I think a lot of times." you have to, you have to put yourself out there. Right. And you have to, you have to challenge yourself. Um, and it's super cliche, but like, you don't know until you try. And so I think a lot of these things, like you can, you can make it low risk, but I think like, and if you really want to, you know, reach the next level and you really want to see what you're capable of, you, you have to almost go too far at some point. And so like, I, I don't think that that's a failure though. I think that's just like, you're not ready at this time. So it's pretty interesting. Like people in the U S and I, I don't know if it's the same in the UK, but you say like you're a two thirty marathoner or a three hour marathoner. And then you try to become like a two forty marathoner or a two twenty marathoner or Olympic trials qualifier or Olympian or whatever it is. But I think what's interesting is I see the Japanese athletes that say like, I'm a two thirteen marathoner for 10 miles. And then I'm a 213 marathoner for 14 miles. And then I'm a 215 marathoner for 20 miles, right? And so you're kind of going to the same place, but you're doing it from a different mindset. And I think sometimes that that's what we need is like, okay, I'm not there yet. And I came up short today, but I got further than I've ever gotten. So it's just kind of repositioning that in your mind and saying like, okay, I'm not there yet, but 
I did learn this. And I think I learned that the first time I did Barkley marathons, like I've done that twice and I've never done well. But what was awesome about it is I got my ass kicked and I learned all the things I didn't know how to do. But that allowed me to do so many fastest known times because I knew I could be out on my own for 14 hours, wandering around in the woods, getting my butt kicked, going up and down mountains. Uh, And I had the resilience to get back to camp. And so, yeah, I didn't achieve anything at Barclays worth mentioning other than I got to be there and see what it was all about. But that set me up to do all these other things. And I would have never got across the country had I not known like when the car broke down, I could just grab a sack of (laughs) my sack and be like, "Okay, I'll see you in like seven hours. I don't care. Like, figure it out. I'll be back. Uh, And so like, yeah, that that one event didn't work out, but that set me up to do all these other things. And I think if you look at it that way and say like, "Okay, maybe it didn't go my way on this day, but this this experience is going to help me in the future, then yeah, it's, it's all good. Yeah. Like tomorrow's a new day. So it's, you know, like today may not go the way that you want, but tomorrow anything's possible. And like, if you have that mindset with anything, I guess that you strive towards, then, you know, you're always going to progress slowly, but surely forward. And I think that's like, that's, yeah, it's inspiring to hear. Well, I should say though, let me jump in though. I should say it's not always forward. Like, <laughs> so I feel yeah, like yeah. two months ago, I was better at pickleball than I am today. So like, and uh, I just hit my my highest all-time ra- rating in chess like a week ago. And then since then, I've lost like 15 out of 17 games and so like backslid. So like, you can like be like, that's what I'm saying is like, it's like, it should be linear. And I wish that all our progress was linear but it's not. And that's part of the deal too. And like, I think having the experience to know that is like, it's not always going to be like, you're going to hit plateaus. And I think everyone does. And, and that's what is when you have to change something, right? Because I think if you just keep doing the same thing and expect a different result, I think that's the like definition of insanity, right? So like, if you hit a wall and, and you just can't break through, uh, consistency is great, but maybe you got to add in one more session of hills or you got to change the spice and the, and the flavor of your training a little bit to, to get over that. Or a lot of times what it is, and I think you probably know this is just finding people that are better than you because it's, I, I, it's so much better to, to be the worst guy, uh, in the group than the best guy in the group. Like it's, I, it, yeah, I, I love, you know, learning from people that are better than me. So I guess talking about obstacles, yeah, what's like been the biggest challenge that you've had to face? Um, you know, cause obviously when you're doing some of these like behemoth challenges that there will be those dark moments kind of how, how did you overcome them and, and maybe what, what ones specifically could you make reference to? I guess I've, I've done a lot. I've had a lot of different challenges. I, I think one of the biggest challenges in uh, our life as a family was our son, Grant, is epileptic. And so um, that was for sure one of the biggest challenges in our life, like trying to compete and work and uh, and then kind of manage a, a health scare with uh, your ch- children. I think that was for sure for me one of the biggest things. Luckily, uh, he's been healthy for a long time uh, since then but that was that was for us as a family that was really a trying time and he's an unbelievable kid and I'm uh, so lucky that that he's been well um, I'd say one of the 
bigger things in I'm trying to think in a race. Like, I mean, I've had all the typical, I've had every issue you can have. I've had blisters. I've had diarrhea for five days running across the Gobi desert. I'd say that was a huge one, like chafing, like so bad you're bleeding out of everywhere at the Spartathlon. I, I did not overcome that. I ended up having to stop, you know? So like I haven't had many races where I've had to, to stop, but uh, I'll tell you, I don't, I don't ever go anywhere in a long race without a lube in a Ziploc anymore. So, um, you know, I have my squirrel's nut butter in a Ziploc on me at all times. And that was one of those things where it's like you make a mistake and then you pay for it for the next couple of days, not putting on sunscreen the first week of the run across the country and having sunburn on your ankles for, uh, the next three weeks. I've had, you know, stomach issues from eating food. Every time I go to China, I get sick. So I just try to not to eat as anything that I don't cook myself. Um, so yeah, the, like, I don't know. There's just so many things like the more you travel internationally, the more, um, chance that something goes wrong, but the same stuff can happen in the U S too. And you know, that's just, it's just part of like competing at the highest level. Like, you know, stuff, stuff doesn't always go the way that you want, but yeah, you just gotta, you just gotta keep going and get over it. Yeah, man. I guess like I could speak to you all day because like I'm just so interested in what you've what you've been up to and what you, what and what you've planned to do next. But I guess to close out, what kind of key insight or piece of knowledge would you like to um, share with our audience and to inspire them on their own journeys forward? I think the biggest thing that I would uh, hope people can take away is like, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to take on that biggest challenge that you've been thinking of. And for some people that might be like just going out and trying to be consistent with their running or lifting or rowing or, uh, cycling or, um, just walking, like whatever it is, like choose something that lights you up. I think that's for me, the biggest thing is like finding something that interests you. And then if you are somebody that has more experience, I will tell you that there's nothing better than giving back to the community. So, uh, I just did the, the pacing with Dylan, but, um, as part of the Transcon, we raised over $120,000 for clean water projects around the world. And uh, I get to go visit one in, or two, actually two of those projects where the money is going to be utilized. Um, so kind of using what you do for good or for something that you believe in, I think is, is highly impactful and um, motivating, but also like we're out here you know, doing stuff for ourselves. And if we can give back to the community and to society in general and do that in an impactful way. Um, I think that really helps. Um, so, you know, using your running for good and it can also be, you know, kind of, it's not all selfless. Like the pacing duty is going to help me later in the year when I go do these longer races. So like what I said to ultra runners is like, if you're going to be doing a long run, anyhow, you, you know, you might as well do it supported on a, on the Boston marathon course, helping someone achieve their dreams. Like, um, so yeah, it's, you can use it for yourself, but to still do good. And I hope people will be able to take that from what I've said is, you know, there's a lot of different ways to have success and yeah, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Yeah, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening to the purpose made podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to Purpose Made wherever you normally get your podcasts to hear the latest news and views. 
You can also find and follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter or contact Peter directly to connect, inquire about Purpose Made or request to be featured on the podcast. We look forward to welcoming you back soon for another episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.